0: Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Listeners, today we are bringing you Dan Shepling, and we are going to be talking about marketing trends and marketing examples that are actually working today. Before we do, two things I want to make sure you know about. The first, and you hear this about one out of every five or six episodes, this is the last episode I'm recording today. We batch record this podcast. And the last one is always the best. The first one I'm kind of warming up. Midday, sometimes I yawn because, you know, it's midday stretch. But the last one, in fact, I was just saying to Dan, our guest, um, the chicken's already in the pot upstairs. I'm looking forward to dinner in about 45 minutes when Frank comes home. The last one, always the best. So you are in for a treat. Now, before I introduce our guest, Dan Shepling, let me just remind you that we have a strategic planning webinar coming up on Thursday, April 14th. So make sure you go over to SuccessfulNonprofits.com and check out our strategic planning webinar. We get all kinds of questions from prospective clients and sometimes just, you know, other nonprofits that are like, hey, we don't think we're going to be able to hire you, but we've got questions about strategic planning. We're always happy to answer those, but we have taken all of those questions and created this webinar so that you understand what strategic planning is, what your board's role is, how you find the money to do it, all of those things that are really important for you to actually be able to do strategic planning. So again, that's Thursday, April 14th, and you can register at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. Now, let me introduce to you Dan Shepling. Dan Shepling. I think you know that I do a good little bit of research on everyone before they come on the podcast. And when I researched Dan, I was struck by several things. The first is nearly every job title that he has ever held includes the word creative. Sometimes it's creative director, but it almost always has the word creative in it. And so currently, Dan is the president and chief creative officer. Remember, I promised you it's going to have creative in it. First, creative chief creative officer at Kapauza. And you might be asking, what's Kapauza? Well, Capauza is a creative agency. They serve nonprofits and for-profits in video, digital, and print medium. And I've spent a good little bit of time, in addition to all the other things I've Googled about Dan, a good little bit of time at Kapauza's website. And I have to share with you, it's an incredibly fun place to spend an hour. If you've ever asked yourself, hey, how can I create a website that's really engaging?, kind of makes people chuckle a little bit, but also makes people want to click on something else, you should really go check out Kapauza's website. It's amusing, it's informative, it's inspiring. It's really worth the hour of your time that it might take for you to really thoroughly enjoy their website. So, hey, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, when I was at your website, I saw a foundation video that you had done. I think it was the Ullman Foundation video and, and it's listed as the thing you, one of the things you are proudest of. Mm.
1: Yeah. So first off, thanks again for that awesome introduction. Uh, It's, it's pretty helpful when you make up most of your titles to, to have all that in there. So a lot of the companies I started, so I was just like, you know, creative sounds cool. So, but, uh, I definitely appreciate the, uh, the props, so the Almond Foundation is a nonprofit in Baltimore that serves younger adults with cancer, and so that was a it was like a hole in the market they found. You know, there's there's older folks, there's folks, um, children that have cancer, and this is that that middle ground. And so it's a young adults uh, kind of place, and they came to us wanting to do a video, but not having a lot of budget to do it. And because I have creative in my job title, we had to figure out how to do something "quote unquote" creative with the budget, because it was something that we really believed in. And, and for us, everything starts as a as a writing project. And so we we you know I did a lot of research. I uh, went through Reddit. I, I read a lot of letters, and it was it was really actually it was really emotionally tough stuff uh, that I just can't imagine having to deal with this. And so we we realized that you know if we just told a good story, it doesn't matter about the production budget. So we got a phone, we got my phone. uh, We got one of their, one of their members. And they base. we basically just put a script together and we walked through Baltimore uh, and we, I felt it on my phone. And she actually, Jess is her name. uh, She has metastatic breast cancer and she's in her early thirties, I think. Um, and she's just a, an incredibly warm, amazing person, and uh, we had a lot of fun just kind of collaborating on the quote-unquote set. But it was basically just, you know, me with a phone, and I brought uh, a lighting guy, uh, what we call a gaffer, and, and we didn't really use much of the many of the lights. But we just walked around with a phone and a story, and then I cut it together, and put music to it, and I really. There was a couple of reasons. It's always been kind of my favorite thing. It was for a good reason, uh, which is why we love working with nonprofits. It's just you want to go above and beyond. You want to see them succeed and, and do what's best uh, because the mission is so important. And it's not just we need we want more customers, which is a valid mission. And we certainly have clients like that, and that's totally that's totally fine. And but th- there's always so some, something more powerful with a nonprofit, and so being able to take part in that being able to work with jess and just like you know we've had the big sets you know the big crews the trucks the cameras the lights you know uh all of the toys all of the filmmaking toys but just stripping it down to just a cell phone and making the cell phone part of the story because the idea was that she was filming this herself and it was a year in her life um and so the cleverness of that I really liked and also who we got to work with and what we were doing it for. It was like all of the perfect things all in one.
0: And I've also kind of have to describe the video a little bit more for listeners because it's kind of bookended by birthdays. So the year in your the year in her life, you see her and friends out at a bar and it's a birthday, happy birthday, and you know, they're toasting and they're having a good time. And then it's bookended because then at the end, she's in a hospital and it's again you know another one of her birthdays and her friends come in with a birthday cake and say happy birthday and she blows out the candles and it's really um it's really just such a powerful powerful and i mean it's it's only like i think 90 seconds long it's such a powerful piece and it's incredible to think that it was shot with like a cell phone camera
1: yeah and we also used a field recorder because people will stand for bad video they won't stand for bad sound and we ended up not needing it either, uh, because wow. we just we just put the we just put the music over it, uh, and it was just the authenticity of it, and it was so real and honest. And as soon as you see, you know, an image that is obviously professionally graded and put together, there's instantly an expectation. But then you see something like this, and it's it's a little bit more honest. And so it's not always the best solution, but it's certainly a solution, and it was a lot of fun to work on.
0: And and I, I love that you really bring that out that when you see something that's so polished, you're like, okay, yeah, this was professionally done. But especially for, for a nonprofit, like I'll share with you, when I saw that video, my impression was, oh yeah, you know, this is someone who was served by the organization and literally like it's a, it's a cell phone camera and you can see they just took some shots from different points and, you know, points in this person's life from the last year.
1: And the thing is when we like commercials, no one ever says... I like, unless you know me or in the circle of, that I hang out with, man, I saw this commercial the other day, and boy, they had a great shot and a great camera move, and it was really smooth. Now, that is absolutely conversations that I have, uh, but it really comes down to the story. And the great thing about nonprofits are they are very story rich and often execution poor, where large corporations are the opposite, their execution. Uh, rich, but story poor. So Coca-Cola pays millions of dollars, billions of dollars in some cases to make sure that you know that they sell happiness. And they do a lot of work around that. And a nonprofit usually has a great story and a great why. Uh, And it doesn't always have to be polished. It just has to be honest. And so when you see a commercial or an ad or something where it's just like this you know, $10 billion brewery donated $250,000 and then spent $10 million on a commercial promoting their donation to this nonprofit, it serves everyone. Everyone's happy because they get what they need. But what the, what the corporation is doing, it is borrowing from the story of the nonprofit because they are, they are you know, story poor, but ex, again, execution rich. And so they're able to do that. And so most of these nonprofits that we work with, they have such incredible whys. That you know, you know, it's it's always predicated or or inspired by someone passing on or someone struggling or or they saw a hole in society and um, it's always really just powerful to work on.
0: I'm really fascinated. First, I love this metaphor of nonprofits are story rich and execution poor. One of the things I'm curious is. Do you find that most nonprofits are actually execution poor, i.e. they don't have the resources for execution, or maybe they could pull off a better execution, but they don't know how to go about doing it?
1: It certainly depends on the nonprofit, but I do know that, you know, uh, I don't know when this comes out, but in a couple Sundays, we're going to see the Super Bowl. Uh, and a lot of those corporations on the Super Bowl—they're wonderful most of the time. It's wonderful work, and it's amazing commercials. And everyone should be super proud uh, to, you know, be in the Super Bowl as a, like a, as an agency or anything like that. But they obviously have millions to spend, and millions upon millions to spend on the ad time, and they can pay to be interesting. Um, nonprofits don't have that spend and that's what I mean it's poor in terms of, of budget, not necessarily in terms of execution. Uh, and so the um, the execution is just it's just uh, you know they can hire Seth Rogan to show off their cell phones. They, they can't do that with a nonprofit Now sometimes you get a celebrity that is involved and they donate their time, but it's always because of the story. And because they're so story rich. And so, and, but oftentimes it's, it, you know, nonprofits are no different than any other business in terms of their marketing and execution. They, the only difference is the ask and the why. In both cases, you're, you're asking for something. It's either a donation or a volunteer or awareness is another, is another good one, but they're still businesses and they're still being marketed. And no matter what the marketing is, it's still an interruption. Um, even if it's, even if it's something I care about, you you have to prove to me that I should care about this or make it powerful enough that I should care about this. And what I always say is that is just nonprofits just have so much in the bank of power, whether it be stories of people they helped, stories of people they want to help, uh, personifying what it is they do in a single story. There's a ton of stories there versus like, how this company got started and they figured out a good recipe for beer and now they sell lots of beer. Like we all, you know, that's a good I'm not, I don't mean to trash on, on for-profit businesses but there's a lot of doctoring that needs to be done to make that story more interesting versus like my mother died of breast cancer. I felt a calling to leave my corporate job to, to, to start this agency or start this nonprofit that supports mothers going through cancer and offers daycare services. And nonprofits are, are the backstops of society. They're filling a role that, that for-profit businesses and the government or, or whomever else can't fill, and so nonprofits step up and do it. It's not necessarily profitable, but it's all—it's usually important work, most often important work. And talking about that important work is certainly something mm-hmm. that um, it's easier to do when it's already there and it doesn't have to be manufactured.
0: And so part of what I wonder then, if nonprofits are really story rich, but the for-profits are execution rich in terms of dollars, what are some of the non-financial ways that nonprofits can gain a competitive edge in the execution?
1: I think the biggest thing is figuring out your resources in terms of time. Um, we all have the same amount of time. We all have the same 24 hours. We should all be sleeping eight hours. So you're really talking about, um, or more <laughs> in some cases. Uh, and so we all have the same amount of time and corporations can pay others time to do these tasks. Uh, And if you don't have that in a nonprofit, really looking at the time that you have and more importantly, looking at what you're good at. If you're a good writer, then maybe blogs are for you. If you're a good speaker, maybe podcasts are for you. If you like photos, maybe Instagram is for you. Everyone is good at something and everyone is a fan of something. And if you like, videos, then maybe TikTok is for you. And also it's a consideration of where is your audience and, and the things like that. But we all have tons of, uh, people we follow on social media that are good photographers on Instagram. They're just friends that take good photos, uh, good at updating their life through Facebook, good at small thoughts on Twitter. Sometimes they have a blog and just picking one you feel most comfortable with. You don't have to be good at it yet, but being most comfortable, I'm not comfortable taking a camera or taking my phone and putting the camera in my face. Like that feels very uncomfortable and unnatural for me. But some people, they love it. They love the selfie. I, and I don't think I've ever taken a taken a selfie that was ever my own idea. But I don't mind speaking and I don't mind going to events and being on awesome podcasts like this. And that's what's comfortable for me. And everyone's different about what they're comfortable with. And so First step is figuring out what you're comfortable with. And usually it's what you're a bigger fan of. So uh, I've found that if you spend all day on TikTok watching videos, you could probably make a pretty good TikTok. But if you spent all day watching TikTok um, and then you wanna write a blog, it's not like it may not be your thing because you're not reading enough. Uh, And so being familiar and and comfortable on the medium and what you want to contribute to is also important. And then just being honest and telling your story. Why did you start this? Who did you start this around? What are you serving? What do you need? What's interesting about this? And asking who cares, even though they should care. That's the difference between nonprofits and for-profits. Like In nonprofits, people should care, but they still don't have to. And why should they care? And having friends, a good sounding board is always always helpful. Hey, does this make sense to you? Or look at my last 10 posts, you know, is this, is this resonating with anyone? Because I could go on and on about, you know, the, the different, uh, you know, writing techniques and, and different things like that. But I, don't, I know that like 10% of people might find that interesting. And so figuring out what your audience uh, reacts to is also helpful, but just telling that story.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I, I saw in a print interview where you actually had said that, you know, you'd said, ask who cares before putting anything out. Yeah. That sounds, if it's in print, I guess it, I guess I (laughs) said. Well, admittedly, and I I will also share with you when you were talking about, okay, figure out what you're really good at. Are you good at, at writing them blog? Are you really good at speaking? Then go on podcasts or start a podcast. I also watched, uh, I think it was a video interview of you where you were really talking about like you know depth over breadth, and you really you had some great advice about um, social media and ways in which you want to leverage that.
1: Listening first and figuring out what is normal for that community, and figuring out what you're what you're naturally drawn to. Like I know video content is what I'm more naturally drawn to, or video or audio visual content. I listen to podcasts, books, I watch videos. I'm not going to be a huge blog reader. And so therefore, I'm not going to be a good blog writer. I can probably write a blog if I have to, but it's not where I'm naturally going to fall into. And so learning the space is probably the most important. Learning the rules of Instagram, learning the rules of Facebook, and just how people communicate and what upsets people, especially on Reddit. It's a very, Reddit's a very, very finicky place. And if you don't know... Um, the rules, it's, you're not really going to have much success there. What I would like to see people do is just learn the platforms and then post. I need to get away from perfectionism and realize that, you know, if you post a handful of times a day, somebody may only see that once just because there's so much going on. There's so much being posted and there's so much running through. And so learning the space and following smart people and people that are good at it uh, is the best way to learn. And then not being very sacred about what you post, just being honest. So there's a couple of things that
0: you and your company are doing really well. well. That's not true. There's many things you and your company are doing really well, but there's two things that I want to talk about. And specifically, I want to talk about them and ask what your advice is for nonprofits. And so the first one, your website. Off the chain, good. Like I actually did spend close to an hour on your website because I'd be like, I really enjoyed one page. I'm like, oh, let me click on this and see the next one. <laughs> and by the way, I don't set aside an hour per guest website, so I kind of blew through. You know, you mentioned we all have a limited amount of time. Kind of blew through more time than I thought I was going to, but that's the sign of a good website. So, so what advice do you have for nonprofits that are um, either creating a website for the first time, which probably means they're a new one these days, or want to do a major overhaul of their website?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for thanks for spending all that time. That's certainly going to help our 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 Google uh, Analytics for the month. Someone's going to be like, "Who spent forty five hours on the website?" <laughs> um, so first off, uh, I can't take credit for the website. We have a great team of uh, of brilliant designers and brilliant creative people, led by our creative director Andre. And so I just have to say that at the top that they made a great website, and all, and all I my, my job was basically yeah, hey, this looks great. <laughs> so so as a, as an owner, I uh, I'm really lucky to work with some super talented people. I know people say that all the time, but it's de- it definitely seems to be the case here. Everyone's very nice and very talented, but. I think the biggest thing is focus. What do you want me to get out of this website? And imagine, you know, the website is a person and they walk up to you in a room and what are they wearing? What do they smell like? What are they, what, what do they laugh at? Are they funny? Are they engaging? Are they right into the sale? Uh, Sean, my business partner and I, we used to joke about this guy. I won't say his name, but he used to go to every event and just hand people cards. And it was just like, it was just nonstop handing people cards. And our, our, joke was to see how many of his cards we could get before he remembered he already talked to us. And I have about like seven of them.
0: I got to break in real quick. This is how I feel about LinkedIn. And I, and I'm a power user on LinkedIn. And, and I often say to, you know, on the podcast, Hey, connect with me on LinkedIn. I want to be connected with you on LinkedIn, but I'm always baffled at least five times a week. I will accept a connection on LinkedIn and I immediately then get a LinkedIn message from the person saying, hi, I really want to schedule some time with you to talk about you buying a new phone system or right. whatever. And, and I'm kind of like, would you, would you like go to a party? And, yeah, would we and, accept that in, in yeah, real life? Yeah, like, would like, you just like, walk up to someone and be like, hey, I'm so glad you just looked at me across the room. Are you interested in buying a new phone system?
1: No. And, and, and you know, I, I think we also have to be honest about how we like being sold to. Like, have any of us bought anything through a spam call or junk mail? Like, if you have, then, okay, good for you. But you're one <laughs> of the, you're, you're in the minority. And yeah, it's, it's. imagine every piece of marketing is like this, this invisible person that, that is now becoming visible and like, what are they wearing and how are they talking? You know, a great way to get somewhere on LinkedIn is, hey, how's it going? Like, how many people have just sent that message to you? Because they've sent zero of those to me. I get nonstop, you want to hire us, uh, hire us, outsource this, outsource us to that. And it's, it's never individuals, like I always respond well when it's like, hey, I just started an agency. I had some questions. I'm always like, yeah, sure, I'd love to talk. Uh, about that stuff but no one ever asks like hey how you how's it going <laughs> and like how do you do it like because that's what you would do in real life you would want you to have a drink you'd walk up to an event and you'd be like man so how about that shrimp cocktail here you know what i mean like like and so the website's the exact same way and and should be viewed as an extra employee our creative director andre says that a lot is that your website should be an wow. employee and you know how what are they saying and how are they doing it and we do a lot of website audits actually where we will go in and we'll put together, you're like, here's what your site is actually saying, but here's what it should be saying. Here's how it should be re- reorganized. And focus is the biggest thing. I, I like trying to come with everything at once. Uh, and I think our site could absolutely be better. Every site could be better. There's no such thing as a perfect website.
0: I love this concept. Think of your website as an additional employee. It's just an employee that works 24 hours a day and is always available it never calls out sick. Well, unless the (laughs) server goes down, which is
1: like most servers have like 99% uptime. So um, yeah, it's an extra employee and uh, it's an employee that you can put the words in their mouth of how they will speak about your organization. Uh, And and then there's also technical things. Uh, Load times are big. Understanding SEO. Some places go nuts with SEO, but building a good site, making sure it's technically sound and making sure the mobile site loads fast enough and the images aren't too big and nothing's broken, that's usually a great place to start. I've personally been blown away by things like Squarespace and Wix. Like Wix has actually gone, like if you don't have any budget you gotta build it yourself, Wix is actually really nice. I had to use it recently for something and I and I was kind of like snooty about it, going, "Oh, I guess we'll try this." Because I tried Squarespace, and I, I, the first agency website was built on Squarespace, but I hadn't used it in years. But then I built a, something on Wix, and I was I was really impressed. It really impressed. And so um, that's also a good option there too. And there's there's plenty of education out there on how to add a page on Wix, how to do this on Wix, like what is a good site. And the same thing with learning social media, go to websites. What do you like? What do you not like? What's working for you? you know, you know, for your quote unquote competitors, I know it's weird to say competitors and nonprofit, but who your counterparts are. And so what are they doing? What's normal in your industry? Like, uh, and things like that. Um, All things that I would say with a website.
0: Mm, Nice. Very nice. And, and it's, I'll share with you, I actually have a client right now that um, is in desperate need of a, of a, website redo and they're planning on using squarespace in part because it is simple enough that they know that you know whoever they hire does not have to have web expertise like whichever employee is going to manage it you know Mm -hmm. will not have to have web expertise all they'll have to do is essentially know how to use the internet
1: have them look at wix i don't know i was really blown away by it like like the the design the things you can do design wise with wix i was i was really impressed
0: very very cool so the the other thing, Dan, that I think your company is doing so well, and I now watch you again say, well, there's other people that do it, so I don't know how much I can share. But um, as I said, this is the last one of the day. You get, you get real off. You get real dolph, okay? <laughs> but, um, I, can, I can tell you what, what I think they do. It, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, but so I also was super impressed with your monthly newsletter. And so, listeners, I just want you to know, Capauza does a monthly newsletter. It's not a weekly. But it was good enough that I read one issue can I spent a lot of time on this. So I read one issue and I was like, oh, I need to read the next one. Oh, what did they say the month before that? What did they say the month before that? And before I knew it, I was like 12 issues in. Which, you know, that's a really engaging newsletter. I, I actually um, have subscribed. i going to enjoy like opening it up every month. I also sent it over to the, to the person on, on our team that's responsible for our newsletter. And I was like, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this sometime and just get your thoughts. But you have an incredible, incredible newsletter. So what advice do you have for nonprofits to create an engaging newsletter that if someone stumbles on, they'll be like, oh, let me go read all the prior issues for the last year?
1: First of all, uh, thanks for spending all the time on our our stuff. I think between uh, you and my mom, that'll be the most viewed, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, our, our largest audience for the month. So the newsletter started. uh, I hate to do it again, but it started. uh, My partner Sean Sutherland. He uh, is our marketing. uh, He does all our 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 new business stuff. Really smart guy, and he said, "Hey, I think we should do a newsletter." And I had zero faith. I said, "I said, there's no no. Who cares about a newsletter? No one cares about a newsletter." And this was years ago. And 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 he said, "I don't know. I would give it a shot." I said, "Sure. What's the harm? You know, go for it." And, And sure enough we've done Super Bowl commercials. We've won an Emmy. I get, I, I have to talk about the newsletter more than anything else. And I'm always happy to eat my hat. Uh, he was absolutely right. And I can say it again publicly. Um, but I think what, what, there's two things that I think we collectively did well. A we were willing to try it and there's very little downside to a newsletter aside from time. Uh, we were willing to try it. And we tried it for long enough to get good at it, but long enough to see if it was really worth it. It wasn't something that I was like a thousand percent sold on, but you know, a quick thought of like, well, why not? It's one more way for people to get a hold of us or or just see what we're up to. And the, the second biggest thing is who cares? And so, you know, it was all written around the idea of who cares? Uh, like anything with our website or anything um, that we try to put out on behalf of our clients or behalf of us, it's a lot of who cares. I know I subscribe and then unsubscribe to a lot of newsletters where I just don't care. And Sean also has a great comedic style that I think is really fun. Cause you know, we're not, uh, we're not a CPA firm. You know, we're not uh, doing brain surgery. Uh, We are a marketing firm with a pink logo and a name that sounds like a clown college. And so we're able to be interesting in a way that makes sense for us. Um, But the biggest thing is being interesting. That is the core there and trying it. Uh, we, we we weren't good initially, um, and uh, but he got good like over time, and he just has a really great comedic style that it's like his thing, and you know, and I I, I have a, a piece of news I can share only to you and the listeners. Uh, we are debuting a new newsletter design that we just saw today, uh, and then and so last year we we had to do a, you know how agencies do gifts for clients every year. And we always just, it's always just seemed so forced. And so we we gave everyone a one year subs- free subscription to our newsletter.
0: <laughs> I saw that, by the way. I 100% saw that newsletter and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, when you go back and look at the archive, you can see what the subject is. The subject was your holiday gift or your 2022 gift enclosed. Mm-hmm. And you open it up. Congratulations. <laughs> you get a free year of our newsletter.
1: And I think the year before that, uh, or we, we had we we set up a, a store on shopify that was all the swag we had gotten at conferences and we were trying to sell it and we were going to donate the money to a a, a barks a local uh, nonprofit that works with animals, and but we were trying to sell like 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 a Coca Cola branded notebook that we had got at some conference, and so it was the the, the swag store, and I think the year before that, or we made a streaming service. It was maybe it was April Fools we made a streaming service called Kapalza plus. I think it still exists. I think it's kapalza and it's just all our commercials, (laughs) but it looks like a streaming service. And it's just like, because it all starts as a funny conversation where I'll say, what if there was a streaming service that was only commercials? How stupid would that be? And then it was like, you know, we have a bunch of commercials, you know, it wouldn't be hard to spin up a Squarespace site where uh, you have a, um, let me see if it's still available. If you, if you, you can build a, uh, um, a streaming service using just you know images and stuff, and it just takes some time. And then we were able to, pre- yeah, it's still up, kapalzaplus.com, introducing the streaming service nobody asked for. And uh, it all comes down to why not? It's just e- experimentation. And I think we're seeing that a lot these days. You see it a lot with companies like Ryan Reynolds' company, uh, Maximum Effort, where they, they view marketing as kind of a playground or a, a toy to be played with. Uh, and the public's attention is, is something that has to be earned by being interesting. And sometimes that's playful and it's honest to the brand. That's honest to us. There are plenty of nonprofits probably listening to this that probably couldn't go and do silly logos and funny things and things like that. Like comedy's not in the cards for them. And that's totally fine. But that doesn't mean they can't be interesting. And that doesn't mean they can't try things and experiment and do things that they find interesting because most of the time their
0: audience will find it interesting too. I could not agree with you more. The only thing I would, I would maybe try to tack onto that is even when you're dealing with a serious subject, there are places in your newsletter where you can have fun. Like, and let me say, sometimes that might backfire. I've said this before on the podcast, but hopefully it was 100 episodes ago, so not everyone has heard it before. When I was early, 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 when I was a baby fundraiser, um, we did an annual campaign, and we used to do a a, a thon every year for people that had not yet given. Typically, you know, October, November, December, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So um, we came up with this really fun tongue-in-cheek idea that we meant as a joke and by the way this is really pre-internet so we did this by mail so we sent a postcard to everyone who'd not yet given and 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 it was no i'm sorry we actually sent a letter because of course there was a, a reply envelope in there and so we sent it out to everybody and we're like hey we really hope you're going to make your end of your gift but if you don't don't worry and we were a little nice in this we're like don't worry we have a phonathon scheduled for whatever, October twenty third. And just so you know, we scheduled it for six thirty in the morning. And and then and but then we even put something like, No, we're just joking. We got hate mail. We got hate mail. We actually like not many. We got like two or three letters where donors were like, if you call me at six thirty in the morning, I will never give to your organization again. Donate to make the call stop, please. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, but we were a serious family service agency that dealt with, you know, mental health issues and hunger and homelessness and that type of thing. But even then, like I do think, and maybe we push that envelope a little too far, but it's possible to have fun.
1: It's possible to, I would say it's always possible to be interesting. That There's no excuse to being boring. And there's no excuse to... Um, you know, people like all oh, the you know, uh, no, nobody wants to do anything with our stuff. Well, it's just it, nobody wants to read our newsletter. Nobody wants to watch our video. Well, is it any good? Like, is it and most of the time it's not. And most of the time, um, it's a it, it really good stuff, really good newsletters. People talk about them and it becomes part of the conversation. And you know, if it's not your specialty, that, that that's okay, but you can't be upset with the results if it's not if it's not interesting, like, and with that donation, the thing that you did, like, sure, you got some hate mail for it, but also it's kind of interesting. And so it, you know, it's a, it's a fine line. Comedy is a very, very fine line. And, and I do, I do think that, that comedy is a very radioactive, it it can power a city, but it can also, you know, melt through the ground. And so you, I don't want to say leave it to the professionals, but have a professional opinion to see if you're, cause like, especially with nonprofits, if you're dealing with, with hardcore serious issues, important issues, you know, that comedy fine line can, can really go the other way. So I would just err on being interesting uh, and using comedy when you can, uh, but just, just be careful with it. I've seen it. I have, I've seen it backfire.
0: That's fair. That is certainly fair. Um, Dan, I just looked down. I was like, "Oh my gosh, where did all this time go?" Because I actually might not—I've not left enough time really for the off-the-map question. But thankfully, we're not a radio show, so we don't have to like close, write it. I thought this was forty past. Wow. Exa- oh yeah, yeah, we're a long-form podcast now. Listeners, yeah. strap in for. <laughs> you, you know, what would be funny
1: if like all of your podcasts were like thirty minutes, and one was four hours, and there was no
0: explanation. So, so I will share with you one of my favorite podcasts. Listeners, like, oh, come on, move on to the off-mouth question now. One of my favorite podcasts, actually, they produce five and six-hour podcast episodes. Is it hardcore history? Yes it is. <clears throat> yeah, I love hardcore history. But like but like it's a commitment. And by the way, yeah. I, I like them so much that I that some podcasts we, we don't do Patreon on this podcast, but some podcasts mm-hmm. do Patreon and Dan Carlin does. I give Dan a buck for every episode that he drops cuz first he does not drop that many. And second, no, it's but like good. Yeah, it's like 5 or 6 hours of high quality research and and audio. And yeah, so I'm like, okay, that's worth it's that's worth more than a buck. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's basically a book. My, my favorite is I have some friends that we love hardcore history. I, although I haven't listened to one in a while, um, we used to do D- Dan Carlin commenting on everyday things, <laughs> and so so if you can imagine that, that's a fun, that's a fun way to take uh, something so
0: serious. <laughs> well, well, there is actually, um, and it admittedly, comments more on politics, but there's a there's a Dan Carlin common sense as well. Which is a little yes. bit shorter. Those are, I think, like two-hour episodes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's long-form podcasting. It's a good, good flight
1: and good road trip. Yes. Uh, but I, I watched uh, the where I listened to the the word War One one blueprint oh, for yeah. Armageddon.
0: So, oh yeah, yeah. I have
1: to imagine yourself again, <laughs> and he sends again really funny, and you just latched onto
0: that. Again and again. <laughs> you kind of sound like him, by the way. So listeners, we're, we, we're we're gonna we're gonna link we're gonna link to Hardcore History in uh, so in good. the show notes. It, this is really if you like history, and I'm a total history nerd. If you like history, you are gonna love Hardcore. History. Leave this podcast immediately and go listen to <laughs> Hardcore History. <laughs> but just know, if you do, you're missing the off the map question. So I've got yeah. a great off the map question for you, and it's expanded since um, since I first came up with it because you helped expand it for me. Oh, man. So in my vast Google research on you, I discovered that you have an IMDb page. And then in my conversation with you, I discovered that I am now like four steps away from somebody really famous. So I just, I need you to share with us how you got on IMDb and who you're three steps from.
1: Well, first of all, who are you four steps famous from? Well, Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. 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 Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, IMDB, anyone can get an IMDB. It's like getting a Wikipedia page. It's not actually not, it's not as big of a deal as it seems. Uh, but I used to write film music before all this and, uh, didn't want to move to LA. And so started doing marketing the early twenties and stuff like that and bounced around. And funny enough, I ended up moving to LA anyways, but, um, I've really kind of fell into directing and I came to it from uh, film music. And so that is where most of those credits are. I don't, although I haven't looked in quite a long time. Uh, there's also a music video I directed in 2019 that I believe is up there too. So uh, anyone can make it. You can, you can attach yourself to any kind of movie. Now they'll, they'll disapprove it, but you, you can, you could uh, you can, you can make your own, IM, you can make an IMDb account for this, this podcast And and just really and and start crediting yourself. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I think so. Maybe you know. I'm probably wrong. But yeah, and so it's it's just it's just through previous productions. Um, And so yeah, and with with the interesting thing about commercial production is that it's the same gear and usually the same people that shoot movies and or tv shows and movies and tv shows are months on end they're 200 days 100 days uh 90 days on set and the average commercial is one or two days and so these are great gigs that people that work on movies and shows take in between those larger ones and so i get the privilege of working with the set decorator for you know house of cards uh, because she is in between big things and we happen to have a commercial and she's great to come on set for a week and and buy all the stuff and build a set. And, and so you end up, you know, in close proximity to pretty famous people because of the, the crews that worked on things. And so, um, that, that, that's all it is, but it's yet again, it's, uh, it's somebody else is, is the cool one, not necessarily me.
0: Well, I, I find it cool. Um, I don't know a lot of people, I think I only know one or two people with an IMDb, um, entry. So I find it super cool. Um, Dan, I am so glad you came on. I'm especially glad you were the last episode of the the last recording session of the day because you have the perfect personality to do this kind of last recording of the day. So thank you so much for coming on. And I want to make sure, listeners, that you know how to reach out to Dan because not only do you have to check out Kapow's website, not only do you have to subscribe to Capauza's email list. It really is that good. You really want to do it. But Dan has made a really generous offer. He's willing to do a free consultation and a discounted hourly rate for listeners that reach out. So, please make sure you go to capauza.co. That's capauza.co and there, you can check out the website, you can subscribe to the email list, you can reach out to Dan, and you know, frankly, you can also see some really awesome videos that they've done and other really cool, incredible work that they have done. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure, and it was uh, the perfect time of the day for me as well. It was like right after my second espresso, so it was a good time.
0: Nice. Well, listeners, if you missed the URL, it's not its not terribly difficult, capauza.co. But if for some reason you missed it, don't worry about it. Go to SuccessfulNonprofits.com. Or if you don't remember the name of that history podcast with Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, you could also go to SuccessfulNonprofits.com and check out the show notes. Pretty much anything we've talked about that I said we're going to link to, we're going to link it in the show notes. Now, as we wrap up episodes, I always just want to remind you that we have a vault, like I think nearly 250 episodes of other content that you could listen to. And if you found this episode fun, useful, interesting, then there are two more I want you to think about. One is tell your story with Scott Hartman. You might remember Scott is the filmmaker who's been helping nonprofits and others tell their story. And I think that was episode 201. And another one, you know, we had Adam Walker on because we talked some about websites today with Dan. And gosh, maybe 20, 30 episodes ago, we had Adam Walker on to really talk to us about doing more good through our websites. So if you're interested in either videography for your nonprofit or websites, check out those. And finally... You know, I love it. I love it. I love it when you rate and review the podcast. I read the reviews. They make me feel good. And I also love it when you sign up for our email list. So while you're at SuccessfulNonprofits.com, consider signing up for our email list. And by the way, if you sign up for both Kapauza's email list and ours, and ours starts to use some of the techniques they're using, hey, what can I say? It's flattery. It's absolutely flattery for Kapauza. That, listeners, is our show for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. And you know, the lawyers make me say this, even on the last recording session, even though I can smell the chicken cooking upstairs, the lawyers make me tell you that I'm not an accountant and I'm not an attorney, much to my parents' disappointment. And let me share with you that neither I nor the Goldenberg Group can provide tax, legal, Accounting advice. And by the way, also, much to my parents' disappointment, just know that this podcast and every episode of it is for informational purposes only, and you should not rely on it for tax, legal, and accounting advice. Now, I say this at the end of every episode, please, and I don't just say this about me, like, don't rely on this podcast, don't rely on any podcast for professional legal or accounting advice, if that's what you need, find a qualified, licensed professional. Reach out to them. If you're not sure what type of professional or what specialty you need, you can talk to me. I can probably help you figure that piece out. And if you don't know anyone who might be able to um, suggest folks to you, I probably know accountants and attorneys that I could suggest that you talk to. So you can always reach out to me if you're looking for a referral.